You said you'd come. Now let's hope you're not too late. Welcome to the Suicide Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yep, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and the small screens, and we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight. Let's get started. My name is Scott. I'm Brent. And I am Tim, and we are the Suicide Squadcast. Brent, man, so happy to have you here tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's uh, It's been a while, it feels like. I'm glad you could like tear yourself away from the Defenders to record Shoot, with us dude. tonight. <laughs> That's been done for hours at this point. You kidding me? <laughs> Oh man, I thought we weren't supposed to talk about that. Oh come on! <laughs> I'm, I want to. I was tweeting about it last night. I want to see it, and you know, and and Brent, you can go ahead and pl- go ahead and plug your show. It's the appropriate time. Go ahead. Talk <laughs> yeah, about the, it. Uh, the the next episode that Ray and I record of Fans Without Borders is going to be a review of the Defenders. So uh, the uh, kind of what the Marvel Netflix shows have been building to for the last few years. So yeah, you might want to watch that. It's only eight episodes, so you definitely have time. And uh, spoiler alert: uh, Brent probably liked it. I, I did enjoy. It. Yes, I, I'm willing to say that. I enjoyed it. It did not let me down. Cool. And uh, also, we have another show on our network. It's DC Comics Quadcast, and that's with Chris and Jordan. So we have three different shows going on with the network. If you like this show, go out and listen to the others as well. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to listen to Chris and Jordan talk about metal. Yeah. Chris was or- Chris was already doing show notes listening to Metallica last night. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those have been good so far. I, I haven't uh, finished metal yet. Yeah, I'm hoping for tomorrow night to, to read metal. I got all my covers. I got all the variants that you could get, you know, at your comic book store so I'm picking up the John Romita Jr. variant like tomorrow I'm sorry did you say you got multiple copies of the same issue this is Scott (laughs) (laughs) screw you Brent this is me come on Oh, uh, Scott, do you have any update for us on the, you know, the steel book for Wonder Woman? <laughs> it's so ugly. Scott, are you there? That's, that's still, that, it's so ugly. <laughs> and that so hurts. Why? It, it's, it's like, it, Brent doesn't do that to Ray. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ordered it yet? I canceled my pre-order. You obviously don't follow me on Twitter. DC on screen talked about the fact that I... Scott, that is not my question. I said, have you ordered it yet? Have you reordered it? How about that? I know you've canceled oh, your no. order. No. Have you reordered no. it yet or not? I'm not going to. <laughs> you can't handle the truth! <laughs> That's so ugly. <laughs> so, Scott, have you ordered it? <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm believing him, Brent, honestly. <laughs> He's just gonna buy it when it comes in. No, I know, I know. I just I've known Scott long enough to know that even with an ugly cover like that, he's just he's not gonna be able to resist. No, I am not. He's gonna have to hide it when people come to his house because he's not gonna want to admit it. <laughs> he's gonna have friends coming over and he's gonna put all that stuff away. You know, he's gonna be like, you know, uh, when he takes pictures of his bookshelf like he often does, he's gonna have to hide it somewhere. <laughs> Screw you guys! I don't know why I spend my Friday nights with you. You know why? Of no, course. actually, I don't. I've had because of because of B rolls that we can't replay. Which, by the way, Brent's heard now, so you know it's, it's slowly getting out there. It's slowly getting out there. It is true. I, I did hear it. It was funny. I I kept my word. I did not record it when you played it for me, even though I really wanted to. <laughs> I know you did. 
Okay, let's uh, let's stop insulting each other and let's get on to some reviews. Uh, we actually have two iTunes reviews this week to close out our next giveaway, and then we got two more to read. So this is going to be a fun night. Um, our first one actually comes from David R. Jameson, which he sent us like two weeks ago, and um, somebody forgot to put in the show notes. I'm not naming names, but um, just saying. <laughs> I'm right here. I'm right here. <laughs> no, you're not. Truth hurts, Tim. Uh, David's review is called a DC fan's paradise. Hi, Tim and Scott. As many have said before, the Suicide Squad cast is a refreshing dose of positivity in an increasingly negative world. The show is professional, fun, and extremely informative, relating to all DC entertainment news. With the DCEU films going through a rough time critically, it is really nice to have found people who care and respect all elements of DC Comics. I have loved these characters and stories all of my life, and it is my dream to be a comic book artist at DC after I graduate from college. I am on my way to making my dream a reality, and this podcast helps keep my spirits up, and I can't get enough. Listening to Positivity about the thing I love is just amazing, and I look forward to the new episodes every week. This is absolutely my favorite podcast. I thank you both and the Squadcast Network for the fantastic coverage and insightful commentary. I really make my voice heard online, but I thought it was time to let you guys know how much this show means to me. Also, thank you for showing your support for my art on Twitter. I really appreciate that. You guys are so awesome. David Jameson. Well, David, thank you for that awesome Back to the Future slash Flashpoint mashup because replacing the DeLorean with the Cosmic Treadmill, brilliant. Yeah, that was very good. And David, man, that, that, that was awesome. Keep up the great work on that. And, you know, don't give up on your dream. You know, just keep pursuing it. And um, and I hope to see you, I hope to see you uh, filling out the art in some of the, my books uh, that I read here in the future. So, you know, keep it going and good luck. Uh, we have another review and this one closes out the next giveaway. And this is from Curvin21 titled A Rare DC Films Podcast That's Positive. I found out about Tim and Scott and this show when they did a great podcast crossover episode with Holy Batcast. Also, another great Batman slash DC podcast. I love Tim and Scott's energy, objectivity with the news, plus their personal take. Even when news around the DCEU looks bleak, these guys give their take and manage to keep their excitement and positive attitude on the upcoming films intact. It's really refreshing when most of the internet wants to crap on a DCEU. Also, them blowing people up at the end of each episode is hilarious. Keep up the great show, guys. All right, well, thank you so much for that, and I appreciate you taking the time uh, and all of you guys uh, taking the time to leave us some reviews. And we are now going to give away a DC trade paperback. And Brent, can you read the last 10 entrants into this giveaway? Uh, we'll use random number generator. Let's figure out who it is. Sure, we've got It's Rainy Out, Griefstown, The Bat Daddy 52, Mark Madrigal, uh, Mant Rapier, Mant Rapier, David R. Jameson, Unavailable, You Jorge 96, Batman 86, and Curvan 21. So uh, random number generator. And we've got We've got number three. All right. So that was uh, Bat Daddy 52. So congratulations to you. Awesome. He was the one that said we were Hall of Justice worthy. I approve of Bat Daddy 52's review. That's all I have to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Bat Daddy, hey, you know how this works. Send me a note. Look up a DC trade paperback, $15 or less on Amazon.com and let me know which one you want. And I will get that out to you. Uh, so just give me your name and address and let me know what you want. I, I really love watching what listeners pick out. That's kind of the fun part of the giveaway is what are they interested in? Because we've gotten some interesting interesting choices over the last you know we're coming up on two years now tim i know amazing amazing wow i can't believe we've been doing this two years so yeah reach out we got two more reviews and these will be the first two in the next giveaway and we'll be eight away after this the first one comes from the real sanji titled the real nightwing i've been a fan of dc comics for a long time now and have been wanting to start listening to a podcast while i work so glad i found the squad cast awesome news and great content in every episode i definitely recommend taking some of your time to listening to these guys all right well thank you so much for that 
that. Got two years of episodes to listen to if you want. (laughs) Yo, boy. I still can't believe our old episodes still get downloads. It's incredible to me. It is. Uh, And then our second review and our last one for tonight is from MK Bauer Photo called Suicideless in Seattle. Thanks to Suicide Squadcast. And I love that because I do love Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, okay. That's another podcast for another day. I love this podcast. Finally, something to make us feel good about being a DC Comics and DCU fan. I really needed some positivity about the DC Universe movies. If you are even just remotely a DC fan, this is the podcast for you. Trust me, you will not regret it. Or you might. I'm not sure. You know, d- d- depends on your depends on your taste. Right, right. <laughs> I don't think we've had too many regrets. Uh, occasionally we get some, but it's... Well, regrets, I've had a few... But too few to mention. Jeez. Oh, let's move on. Okay. That said, guys, if you feel like we deserve it, leave us a positive written review on iTunes and you will automatically be entered to this giveaway where we give away a DC trade paperback $15 or less for every 10 positive written reviews we get. All right. Speaking of getting, let's get on with the news. Well, t- talk about getting. Let's talk about what Jenkins is probably getting <laughs> in right. the next few days or so because we're hearing from Deadline that they are close to finally nailing down this deal to get her to direct Wonder Woman 2. And apparently she is going to be making bank like we all knew she would. Yeah, so uh, what Deadline is reporting here from, uh, reporting from Anita Bush is that Jenkins is expecting to be paid substantially more than what she got for Wonder Woman 1 and that she wants to get the same as a male director would receive after such a box office take uh, that we had with Wonder Woman. And what they're reporting is that desire was really just seconds away from becoming a reality on Thursday evening as the deal was being finalized. And this would actually elevate her to be the highest paid female director in Hollywood. You know, this came out actually today, uh, and this is a reporting from last night, so I haven't heard as a time of this recording if, if anything's been finalized, but I, I kind of figure if, if something was finalized, we wouldn't necessarily be hearing about it just yet. Like, there's going to be some kind of announcement of some sort. Now, there'll be a press release or conference or... They'll, ma- they'll make a deal about this. Right. Because th- they they want this to make news and make waves. Yeah. Now, there was this last little bit that apparently between the three of us, n- we None of us could really nail down what we thought this story meant. Now, Brent, you had an idea about uh, this last little paragraph. How about you You tell us about it? Okay, so we're talking about the deals that directors get in that uh, Zack Snyder, for example, for Man of Steel got $10 million up against 10% cash break even for that film. And, and we were trying to figure out exactly what that meant. And I think what we settled on, even though we are maybe very clear we are not 100% sure about this, is that he's basically getting either $10 million or 10% of the profits, whichever is higher, is what we think that means. So... Somebody let us know if that's not accurate. And that's not necessarily all in one lump sum. Uh, they usually get like 20% during pre-production, 60% during production, and then 10 during post and 10% following that, like for the, during the marketing time. Yeah. So, I mean, if anyone knows or has a better insight into exactly how these typical kind of terms are played out, just let us know and we'll, you know, we can report it on the next episode. But yeah, I mean, this was, this was such a big achievement for uh, a female director because, you know, we've reported these numbers before about how female directors are, are such a small percentage of Hollywood. And and really, it's it's because, you know, you don't have like big success stories like this. And, and you know, this is going to help draw other women to, you know, say, hey, you know, I can go do this as well. And so this is going to be kind of a role model for them to look up to, as well as uh, the studios. The studios are going to say, you know, th- you know, there's there's no reason we can't have a female director because, you know, this is an example where one was extremely successful. Well, and speaking of being successful, uh, you know, based on the numbers that they're going, we totally expect probably by the end of this weekend for Wonder Woman's domestic 
domestic gross to beat out the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man, which would make Wonder Woman the highest domestic box office of a superhero origin film of all time. So, you know, we're, we're, we're crossing our fingers there. And I think, Brent, you read something from Forbes talking about, like, its worldwide numbers? Yeah, uh, Mark Hughes reported that. Again, expected by the end of the weekend, It's it looks like it's going to pass the $800 million mark, and it still has yet to open in Japan. That's awesome. So to kind of add on to this, Wonder Woman actually just won the Teen Choice Award for the Choice Action Movie, and it beat out the other competition. Uh, some of the ones in the category were Logan, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men, Tell No Tales, The Fast and the Furious, and Transformers the Last Night, and also Triple uh, X Return to Xander Cage. Was that really the name of that? Yeah, it's a uh, Vin Diesel film. It's the third in the Triple X franchise. Yeah, I just never knew that subtitle. I, I haven't watched one of those in a while, but I, I didn't know they actually had a subtitle of that one. <laughs> so. Well, he, uh, I, I saw the first one. He was in the first one. He wasn't in the second one, and so it's like the return of his character. That's right. Okay. Is, but I didn't see it, so I don't know if there's any other story. I, I just remember seeing the first one, and that was his name. Yep. And then uh, to kind of add on to that, Gal Gadot was actually named the choice action movie actress for her lead role in Wonder Woman. And then finally, uh, not to be outdone, Chris Pine was named the choice action movie actor for his supporting role in the film as well. He actually beat out, I think, Hugh Jackman in Wolverine as Logan. Oh. Yeah. Mm. I don't, <laughs> I don't, um, I don't, mm, I, I kind of disagree with that one, but okay. Yeah, but I mean, but this is the Teen Choice Awards. I mean, this is. Uh, uh, yeah, no, that that's the point. That's you know? the point. I, uh, right? I, Scott, I, I hear what you're saying, but I think, I think I can see why people might have chosen Chris Pine too. And uh, I'm sure some of that's association for being part of such, just such a well-received movie. No, no, I, I, I agree. I agree. And I'm just talking about the performance itself, but it's a Teen Choice Awards. That's not how this rolls. Yeah. Moving on uh, from Wonder Woman. Okay. And we got Justice League coming right up, guys. So uh, we got a, some concept art on the Flying Fox. And this came from uh, the set designer, Patrick Tatopoulos. And uh looks very similar to what we've seen in the trailers. Uh, but what's kind of cool about this is he gave a little bit more insight into uh, some of the details of the Flying Fox. And I'll just rattle off some of these. Patrick had mentioned in this Entertainment Weekly article that you can put three Batmobiles in the lower part of the Flying Fox. And he didn't want to do a sleek airplane style. He wanted it to feel like an extremely avant-garde classic. And uh, he said it has a maneuverability of a jet, but it can actually carry things, which we just mentioned that he could put three different Batmobiles in the bottom. Uh, the bottom part of the jet is this huge cargo bay, which is where the Batmobile actually sits in. But the second floor is like a cultural center, and it's got uh, computer terminals and whatever. And then the third story is the cockpit. And he says, no matter what floor you're on, you could see the other two stories. So it sounds like it's, it's open on the inside. So those are really the kind of the first details about what we actually got on the inside of the Flying Fox. Well, actually, some of those details, you know, if you had been on the episode with Brent and I, as we were talking about the set reports, we already knew about the whole three Batmobile thing. He already talked about the Flying Fox. You know, once again, you know, if you've listened to your own show, it's amazing what you learn. But I mean, the whole thing with it being open on the inside, open. No, that's that's new. No, that's That's what I'm referring to. Okay. okay. But but thanks for giving me crap. I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm here for. (laughs) Love you. Uh Uh-huh. Back at (laughs) you. Well, in addition to that, uh, before we get into, I think Brent referred to is the here we go again story of the of the week um affleck was being interviewed uh, for entertainment weekly probably in a related article that no actually by the same person and i thought these were the choice comments about his portrayal of batman in justice league and he said this is more in keeping with the canon of how batman's usually been portrayed and how he's portrayed vis- vis-a-vis the justice league in the comics this is more the batman you would 
find if you opened up your average Batman comic book. Not, not that it's average, I think it's a really cool story. Actually, it's sort of a story about multilateralism, and it's not a bad theme to have. Because he'd referred all, he'd referred also back to the fact that BVS, that was most definitely not your traditional portrayal of Batman. Yeah. So he's just saying, in Justice League, you're going to get your more standard Batman-type character. Well, see, when I when I saw this, I was like, okay, what is the traditional Batman? Are we talking about the Batman that's around other superpower beings? Because that's a very different Batman than we have in, like, you know, his solo books, where, you know, he's much more of the, the soloist detective. So I, I don't know. I think it's, it sounds to me like he's just kind of referring to, like, the Justice League-type Batman that we're accustomed to seeing. I'm ho- I'm hoping for Grant Morrison Bat-God from, like, JLA. That's <laughs> that's one of the, the, the one who can take down a whole whole swarm of white Martians by himself. Yes, yes. That's what I want. <laughs> You know what? Let's just do that story arc for Justice League 2, please. Can we just do that now? <laughs> oh, yes. Well, David Goyer will not be involved. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So unnecessary true. shot. <laughs> uh, no necessary. Very necessary. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who don't understand what I'm talking about, he, he's not a fan, a fan of Martian Manhunter. So. <laughs> yeah, which makes no sense to me whatsoever. But go ahead, Goyer, whatever. Oh, well, Brent, how about you? You kind of, you got the ball rolling with us. So how about you introduce us to the here we go again story of the week yeah i i couldn't believe it when i read this um so ben's brother casey apparently was on a uh, a radio show in boston and he he basically just said he doesn't think that ben's gonna be batman he said i thought he was an okay batman but just joking and then he goes no he was great he was great he's a hero so he had something to channel and work with there but he's not gonna do that movie i don't think i'm sorry to say is that breaking news i'm just kind of making that up and it it just sounds like he doesn't know what to say and that he maybe said something he shouldn't enough but i i don't know it's like we 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 just literally can't go another week without hearing something about is ben gonna be batman and i'm like just one week just give me one week where we don't have to think about is he or is he not and we can just take them all at his word that he's batman because that's who we see in all the promotion for justice league yeah well so when you hear this kind of stuff i mean i actually wanted to listen to the audio to kind of see how it came out and uh it almost made it sound like he did know something you know, like if you were to just kind of take it at face value, it almost sounds like that. But I also kind of know that he doesn't seem like from other interviews and when, we, when they talk about each other, it seems like they don't, I kind of get this feeling they don't talk to each other a whole lot. And so I don't know to what kind of intimacy he might know about, you know, where, uh, you know, Ben's head is at with continuing to play a Batman. So I, I just kind of looked at this. I'm like, well, I mean, this is somebody who's not speaking for the actor. So you have to take it with a grain of salt at this point. Yeah. I mean, it, if anything, I mean, at one point you could go, uh-oh. I said something I shouldn't have said. You know, the uh, I have inside information. Or it can also be, it's the little brother giving his big brother a lot of crap. Yeah. Which is also quite possible. Um, I still love my favorite meme of the week was that scene from BVS when Bruce is yelling to the phone saying, Jack! And someone just wrote, Casey! <laughs> on top of the photo. And I was like, okay, that's funny. That yeah. that wins that wins the week. Yeah, and then uh, BuzzFeed actually kind of followed up with this. Chrissy Lee Yandoli from BuzzFeed reached out to uh, Casey Affleck's representatives and try to get them to elaborate you know what is Casey really saying here about this and and the reps came back and said well Casey was just having fun with the folks at the Red Sox game and saying you know because he was there to throw out the first pitch in support of the Jimmy Fund but they said that he was not speaking from a place of firsthand knowledge and I think that's probably the most likely scenario here honestly yeah and and then of course they get to a, a source close to Ben Affleck you know 
basically just reiterating the comment that he made at Comic-Con saying he'll continue to be Batman as long as the studio will have him, which has kind of become the, the new sort of, that's the line. That's the company line right now. Right. From At least from Affleck's point of view. Yeah. I, I wish that was the company line because Warner Brothers, when they were asked, basically gave a standard no comment. <laughs> and I wish they had said, Ben is our Batman and left it at that. It just, it just... It, I, I feel like when they say no comment, they're leaving themselves o- open to too much interpretation. They need to just say, Ben is our Batman, and leave it at that. But that's that's actually not that uncommon. Warner Brothers typically does not respond to rumors. Uh, now, recently, we've had some of the directors responding to rumors. We've had, you know, uh, we've had Patty Jenkins uh, take on some rumors. We've had David Ayer. David Ayer has done it, yeah. Sandberg has been great. I've been loving Sandberg yeah. trolling the internet. David Sandberg's been really good. So, like... You know, they've kind of responded back to kind of knock some of these things down. Uh, you know, John Berg and Jeff Johns have done a fantastic job as like the uh, the co-executives of Deep Films, uh, a subgroup of Warner Brothers. They have kind of made fun of these rumors and taken them head on when they've come out. Nothing's come out with this. Like there hasn't been any kind of rebuking of it. And uh, I don't know, Scott, you and you and I, when we've talked before, we kind of felt like, you know, it's, uh, you know, uh, as of right now, you can only take them at their word and say this is where they this is what they're saying currently that they're planning to be on the film I kind of looked at if you if you kind of parse the words that as long when Ben says that as long as a studio will have him that to me is not like a real definitive statement like that that just kind of like leaves the door open like if the studio says well we want you to do this film Ben but we need you to do like you know a, a film every year well he may may not be able to meet those needs from the studio and then then the studio would say well we don't really want you anymore because we want somebody that can uh, have a higher commitment to this role I just I just want people to stop i just want people to stop making comments i'm like i'm like brent here i just like can i just watch him in, can i just watch him in justice league and until i hear otherwise can i just go living my life thinking that he's gonna be in the matt reeves movie like i want him to be like just just can i be happy can i just be happy for for just a little time like brent says can i go one week without this being a new story on the internet nope apparently not <laughs> Apparently not. You just you just <laughs> no. can't you, you, you just, just can't. you just can't do it. it yeah. It, I mean, we, we've all talked about it before. It drives clicks, and so it's out there. But it, it I mean, I I just I was stunned when I saw this story. It's like oh, someone so close to him. How would they screw that up so bad? <laughs> well, it kind of makes you wonder if Casey just not you know realizes that this is a big deal, and he's just giving his brother crap. <laughs> I don't think he would I do that. <laughs> I mean, there's there's like good natured giving crap, and then there's just poor decisions, and so yeah. if he he's doing this on purpose to troll his brother that's just like uh, I, I don't know that's like just a, a major jerk move with how much grief ben has gotten over all this yeah I so would, i, I feel agree. like he, he either spilled the beans on something he shouldn't have said he has no clue what he's talking about or he's a jerk it's like there's no no winning scenario for him in this case <laughs> no i don't want to be on that i don't want to be on that phone conversation <laughs> where, where ben's like f you casey really <laughs> absolutely yeah so i don't know i mean when it comes down to it okay Okay, we're, we're going to report on this because this obviously jumped in the news. And, you know, uh, as we always kind of say on this, you, you know, all you can do at this point is take people at their word. But I would also say I don't I don't think any scenario here is unlikely. <laughs> like there's nothing that could definitively say that he's definitely going to be in uh, Matt Reeves film. And there's nothing to say that he's not like it's it is what it is at this point. Yeah. We just have to sit back and just to see how things play out. <sighs> 
Yes, yes, we do. Well, kind of, you know, we had that Joe Morton interview last week talking about, you know, oh my God, the reshoots and the tone of, of Justice League. But now Comic Book Movie and Jake Lester talked to Joe Morton, and there were a couple of interesting little uh, tidbits in this article. One apparently is sort of a character point that Victor Cyborg is going to be kind of resentful of his father. Like, yes, you saved my life, but you saved my life by turning me into this. Which I think is actually, it's rooted in the comics. I mean, you know, Victor has had that kind of attitude towards his dad, especially if you read, like, even even the Rebirth series. There's kind of that tension between the two about, you know, what he had to do to save his life. So I think that rings true. But I do wonder if maybe they tone that down a little bit when they're talking about how some of these reshoots change the tone of Cyborg's character. Maybe he's not going to be as tortured in the, you know, the final product of the film. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think I think that could be likely, actually. Um, I could see them just trying to set up more of a, a, a positive kind of outlook for the character so that he can lead into a film. If there's, like, a really bad relationship between he and his father, I, I don't know. I, I don't... I, it seems like they would just want to try to reconcile that a little bit better uh, so that it's not such a negative way to kind of start off, you know, where the story might be going. Well, the character is set up so perfectly for a, you know, just a positive message about, you know, like yourself and self-esteem and stuff like that. And, you know, the things about you that you can't hide that other people maybe can, because obviously, you know, giant cyborg walking around, you can't hide that fact very easily. I, I don't know. I could, I feel like that could make a pretty compelling, you know, like B plot in, in a cyborg solo movie. Yeah. And speaking of which, uh, Joe Morton did say that he was signed up for a three picture deal. So bat his little cameo in Batman Batman v Superman counted as number one, and Justice League is counting as number two, and the expectation when he signed the deal was still for that uh, cyborg solo movie that, you know, we're all still raising our eyebrows going, what's going on with that movie? And all uh, what Joe said was, you know, that's how his deal was set up, but that he said it's all contingent on how these movies do. Yeah, and, and then one thing I would say, let's let's always remember these deals are kind of a one-way street. <laughs> so when, they, when these actors sign up to a three-picture deal, it is at the studio's discretion like you know if they decide not to make the film they don't have to make the film generally and uh it's not like this actor definitely has to be in three films if they decide well we're not going to put you in a third film they just don't do it all right but if they want to do the third film then you're kind of you know you're on the hook for you're on it. the hook for it yeah so it's it's definitely favors the studio a lot more well over at screen crush they had an interview with willem dafoe kind of talking about mainly about aquaman because in the review in the interview it was mentioned that he really just has a cameo in justice league and his, even his comment was aquaman's the important thing so meaning that's really where he's going to get his screen time and they talked about talked to him about a few things one of the things was that his character of Volko will have some uh, adjustments from you know the source material or what he said not even adjustments it's like anything you use the source material and something is born from that so it's he's basically saying you know don't don't look for me to be a ripped from the page uh, adaptation of this character and then you know asked if he's a good guy and he was like I'd say so but you know hinted at the fact that Volca will have some shades of gray that he'll be able to play with, which, I mean, Willem Dafoe is perfect for playing, you know, shades of gray. I can think of several movies that that's the case. And, and then he also kind of reiterates something we talked about last week when James Wan was talking about the technical challenges of shooting the underwater stuff, especially that dry for water kind of scenes. And, you know, Willem Dafoe just kind of talked about how shooting underwater in a lot of ways is impractical because you're limited what you can do with sets. And that he just reiterates more about shooting dry 
wife for wet and just amazed at what the effects can do. But talking about the harnesses and the wires and the movement and the pretending that you're underwater. And, you know, and he actually said that, and these are his words, so that should be really beautiful. Just the, you know, the, the mimicking of them you know, being underwater throughout the film. Mm, that's cool. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see what they do with that one. Especially with this one, you know, this is, these are kind of some interesting departures from Volko. So, and Willem Dafoe always just has that, like, just that, just that weird creepiness energy to him. So, um, I'm, I can't wait to see exactly how he kind of plays off in his character. Cause I mean, I, I kind of get the feeling with Willem Dafoe, he's just kind of, kind of do his own take. Like, he's, I, I don't see Willem Dafoe like digging into the source material. <laughs> Well, I think I think Volko's a small enough character that you can really get away from that if you do want to diverge. Like, maybe start at the same point, but then go a different direction. It, I mean, it's a lot easier to do that than it would be with, you know, like Aquaman himself. Right, right. Which, they're kind of diverging anyway. So, you know, Obviously, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they've got some room there. they got some wiggle room, because they're really they're really taking this part of the franchise in a, in a fresh new direction. So, we need to talk a little bit about Shazam, guys. Have you guys watched many interviews with David Sandberg? I've not watched anything. I've just really, I've read some interviews and I've just enjoyed his Twitter feed. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a hoot on Twitter. Yeah. He's, he's very active. Uh, like he'll, he'll be active in some of the Reddit, uh, DC EU sites as well. Um, he, he jumps on Twitter. He likes to interact with the fans. I mean, so he, he's very much, uh, somebody that just tries to get down with, uh, with, with the fans of all this material and all that. But, um, he did this great interview with film, Riot, Uh, interviewed by Ryan Connolly. And so it's just, uh, I mean, the, the whole purpose of the interview uh, primarily was to talk about Annabelle creation, uh, the film that he's got coming out here, which looks really creepy. I know, Scott, you're not into, uh, you know, horror films and all that, but it, it looks it looks really great. And, you know, Warner Brothers is really creating like this big franchise uh, out of the Conjuring universe right now. Uh, they got four films that I think between the four films, they've gone over a billion dollars. And so um, so Warner Brothers is just really pleased with what uh, David Sandberg has done with that latest installment with the franchise. And that's what really kind of led him into uh, being off. Offered, uh, this directing role uh, with uh, Shazam. And so in this interview, he talked mostly about Annabelle, but then at the end, uh, they kind of dug into some of the Shazam stuff. And so he kind of revealed some of these little tidbits. Uh, he said that there is a script that they're working from right now, but he also said that this is actually the next DC movie that's going to begin shooting. Which they kind of said, they said that at Comic-Con though. I mean, that was the, that was the, the that was sort of the log line of the press release. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, that was the press release, but it's just another bit of, like, a little bit of confirmation here. Here, but and it was kind of implied, uh, not necessarily in this interview, but that shooting was going to begin real early next year. So, um, so not much time that they have to kind of get ready for that. But I mean, David Sandberg is used to work with such a small budget. Uh, you know, he did it with Lights Out, and obviously, um, uh, you know, all the stuff that he did even before before the you know these films, uh, he's worked with very low budgets. So it seems like he's he's able to just uh, in kind of in that new line vein, just kind of uh, work with limited resources. Yeah, and I think yeah, I read something on Twitter. Over he, he kind of hinted or winked that we should be hearing about some casting decisions pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what that is. Yeah. Well, he's been digging into the material as well, and he's talking about, like, he, he's digging into everything. So he's not just you know, sticking with the Jeff Johns version uh, or the Jerry Ordway version. Like, he's actually going all the way back to the stuff from the 40s, back when Shazam was fighting, like, Hitler and <laughs> the Nazis and all. So uh, he's he's trying to get the entire, like, uh, all the different interpretations of Shazam through the years. Uh, so he's going to 
going to be, there's no doubt you're going to be seeing some of those callbacks one way or the other. But he did kind of talk about how it was dealing with some of the hardcore fans. He said it's interesting, you know, because because really of how the hardcore fans are. Uh, he says if he tweets something, suddenly there's a blog post and then there's arguments going on all across on the Internet about things. He says no matter what you do, some people are just going to be disappointed. Um, you know, he said he gets so many tweets about you should do this. And then somebody else says, no, you should do that. And and he says it's the complete opposite of what the other person wanted. And he says, well, OK, but one of you guys is going to be disappointed. <laughs> and I go, yep, that's exactly how <laughs> that's exactly how these properties are treated by fans. <laughs> you can never, ever satisfy all fans. So he was uh, he was asked about The Rock and Black Adam. And uh, we, we've heard this before, but he, he once again, you know, reiterates that The Rock uh, is not going to be in the Shazam film and just talks about different variations of the script, like before he even came along where Black Adam was and was out, you know, back and forth. But now this is just a Shazam movie. So no Black Adam in this movie, which personally, I, I think he should be in it. But I mean, is what it is. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if maybe that, you know, wouldn't be some kind of surprise. But, you know, who knows? I, I think they're going to be struggling anyway to whoever takes up this role, basically to kind of compete with the star power of Dwayne Johnson. And uh, so I, who knows? That might be part of all the, the thinking that's going to go into this. All I know is that is uh, all I know is that is the bad guy better be like Dr. Savania or something, because I mean, really, Shazam's got like two villains. <laughs> I mean, if, if, you're, if you're talking about it, and I'm, maybe he's got more. I'm not that familiar with his Rose Gallery, but you know, those are my two. So it's like, if I don't get Black Adam, give me Savania, and then give me a Black Adam movie in the sequel, you know, because that's all I got to say. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I, w- I wouldn't mind it if they did some kind of like history lesson of, you know, the wizard and the powers. And if there was like a quick cameo of Black Adam or something yes, like that. Yes, yes, I agree with you there. I think that could work really well. But yeah, I mean, you're right. The, <laughs> sorry to all the Shazam fans, but the Rogue Gallery just is not exactly ripe for the picking. You know, you're very limited on what you can do there. Yeah, I mean, probably one of his biggest rogues would be Superman. <laughs> so that would be a, a, a great eventual movie down the road. But I've, I think we'd have a lot of people get upset <laughs> again, having Superman battling somebody. Yeah, but that was a great episode of Justice League Unlimited. Yeah. When Oh, do you remember that one, Brent? I do, I do. I, especially when he holds on to Superman and just starts sh- shouting Shazam, you know, the and hitting him with yeah. the lightning over and over. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. But we digress. Yes. <laughs> Our wish list for an eventual Shazam movie. Yeah. So, but guys, I mean, I just encourage you to go watch David Samberg and some of these interviews. Just fun to watch. And uh, this was a good one as well. Uh, so check out the Film Riot interview that he did. Okay. Well, Brent, we're kind of we're kind of morphing now into your territory. Once again, it's, it's so appropriate that you're here. So you want to take it? Yeah. You know, DC, uh, even more success at the Teen Choice Awards. Uh, Flash was named the uh, Choice Action TV Show. And lead Grant Gustin took home the choice for Action TV Actor. And then uh, Supergirl, Melissa Benoist, she got it for Choice Action TV Actress. And so it's like, I mean, really, they did they did great there. They were up against some of the other shows you might expect, like Arrow and S.H.I.E.L.D. And, uh, you know, Chris Wood, who plays Monel, was up for the role of Action TV Actor against Gustin. Uh, Katie Lotz, who I thought you could have been a fine choice, was she was one of the nominees for TV Actress. But uh, no, I, I think they picked good winners there. And I'm obviously happy to see Flash and Supergirl take home a, a couple wins. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to a little bit of Arrow casting news, which I was very glad when Brent and I were talking before the show because we both kind of like, wait a minute, didn't we already hear this story? So we have a new story and we have a bit of an uh, ombudsman correction. Uh, Kirk Acevedo was, has been cast as Richard Dragon in the upcoming season of Arrow. And apparently what he'll originally be called or what he's going to be known as is Ricardo Diaz. And he'll be a hardened ex-con released from prison for crimes he didn't commit and bent on taking over Star City's criminal underworld. 
world. And he'll, he'll have hand-to-hand combat, honed after years of life on the street. And apparently Mark Guggenheim kind of teased it as like what it would be like if they'd had Tobias Church for more than like six episodes last season. That's going to be kind of an ongoing villain throughout the season. Let, let me let me let me interrupt you and get this straight. He's released from from prison because he was innocent of the crimes he was accused of. Yes. And so his reaction is to take over the criminal underworld. Apparently. Okay. I feel like there's a leap in logic there that he's not making, but okay. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe we'll find out something in the maybe we'll find out something, you know, in the show itself. I I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm there with you, Brent. I was sitting there going, huh? But um but you know, I'm not sure if I'm alone this. I actually enjoyed Tobias Church. Was kind of sad to see him get bumped up by Prometheus. So I'll be interested to have a crime lord as kind of a central villain for the season. Well, I don't know what you think, Brent. Um, I, I like the idea. Uh, and I even like the actor who uh, who was doing Tobias Church. You know, uh, Chad Coleman, who also was on The Walking Dead as Tyrese. But the the execution of Tobias Church, uh, no pun intended, <laughs> was not necessarily the best. Um, it, it wasn't my favorite part of last season. And so it, it was fine. And, and I'll go ahead and speak on behalf of Ray. I've seen he, he hated the character. So um, he's not too enthused at having someone else compared to Tobias Church. So hopefully this one uh, works out a little bit better. Okay. Because I was glad I was talking to you because I could have sworn I read somewhere, like even two weeks ago, that Michael Emerson was going to be playing this character. And apparently that's not the case. Maybe that was just someone making a, a jump there. And now the rumor is that Michael Emerson is going to be playing uh, Helix leader Caden James, who we never actually saw his face uh last season. Even when Helix rescued him from Argus, he had a bag over his head. So, apparently, Emerson's not Richard Dragon. He's going to be you know, Caden James, which makes a little bit more sense for the actor, because then basically he's just playing an evil version of Finch from Person of Interest. Yeah, we we talked about the same thing, because we read the same stuff that said Emerson was Richard Dragon. Um, and it, I mean, if, you, if you've seen Lost, or if you've seen Person of Interest, you do not see this guy as action TV star. You know, you don't see him as going toe-to-toe with Green Arrow. And so it just did not work at all. So this this other guy they have coming in, um, I, I recognize him from a couple things. I think that's going to fit a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. Tim, thoughts? Well, I don't really have any comments to say other than uh, one of the later episodes, I think it's what, episode five, I saw the title being posted on Twitter. And so this is the title of this show. And I think, Brent, you had a little snarky comment about it, but they were being a little cagey with the episode title or something like that. But it was, the title's name is Deathstroke Returns. Yeah, I, I can't figure out what that could possibly mean. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 a, little, it's a little vague. <laughs> but... I'll tell you what, I I did tell Scott this past week uh, on the way to work, I did download an episode of Arrow from season two and I listened to it on the way to work, you know. What episode? Um, It was the, I think it's called The Promise, maybe? It's the, it's the one where he, where he's in the Queen Mansion. Yeah, he shows up and he's talking to Moira. Yeah. And the whole time he's planning the cameras. That is, I have, when I've had time, I've been rewatching Old Arrow and that is the next one I'm going to watch. I love that episode. Oh, it's so good. It's such a great episode. What was this? Scott, he goes, uh, kid, I keep my promises or something like that. Yeah, it's such a great, it was such a great episode just to listen to. You know, obviously I'm not watching it, but like just to, to listen to the Manu Bennett's audio was just great. Yeah, and the keep him, keeping his promises thing was something that came up throughout the show. In fact, I uh, I have a, I met him at a convention and have a signature and he wrote on it, I keep my promises, kid. <laughs> that's great. And so, yeah, that's definitely a, a Deathstroke thing there. Um, obviously that was in relation to uh, Shadow. Right. But, yes. Uh, yes, more, more Manu Bennett is excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Now, when you met him, did he actually say it like that to you? Oh yeah, yeah. He said it. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he was he was awesome. <laughs> it was a kind of a smaller convention, and so we actually got to talk to him for longer than thirty seconds. And just me and my buddy, we just talked with him for I don't know 
know, five, six minutes, which in, in convention time is a long time. And so, uh, yeah, he was great. Yeah. Uh, he's awesome. Is he, does he look as big in person? Um, he's not very tall, but you're never going to want to cross him. <laughs> you can just tell that. <laughs> He, he didn't appear as maybe as tall as I would have expected, but it, yeah, yeah, he's a very imposing figure. Well, and you could always tell on the in the show that he, like he was shorter than Amel, Amel. Yeah. Uh, but and you can kind of tell they try to angle it. Like I, I don't know how tall he is compared to Amel. I mean, you've met both of these guys, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, you could you can tell they they tend to shoot him from a little bit lower angles or yeah. from farther away where it's going to naturally be smaller. Yeah, yeah. So well, that's cool. Yeah, so that's I I think you know regardless of all this other stuff with. Cassie and Rich Dragon and all that. I mean, I'm just I'm still looking forward to just seeing more Manu Bennett. No, Absolutely. apparently he's going to be a big part of season six. Yeah, that's a. Uh, th- I think that's the only way they can kind of top season five. Honestly, I think bringing him back in is is a good move. Um, I mean, he's obviously not going to, or I, I shouldn't say. I, I assume he's not going to be the big bad again. But I wouldn't be upset if he was. But it uh, it's going to be awfully hard for them to to go even bigger than what they did with episode five or with season five. All right. Well, that's it, guys. I think we're going to go ahead and call this one a night because uh, I think we all of stuff we got to do we always say that excuse every week i know well i gotta go watch defenders yeah. so you know <laughs> and i gotta produce and i gotta finish my kitchen still working on it i have tile down now guys <laughs> oh good oh yeah. man how about you please tell me someone else did the tiling someone else did the tiling i don't have time okay you know, during the day, I've, yeah. I've tiled a kitchen before so it's like please tell me you got someone else oh no it. these are these huge big ceramic tiles i'm putting down uh it's gonna look great you know when it's when it's all completely done and all grouted and all that but it just it's fantastic it's it's a good feeling to finally see that stuff going in and i got cabinets coming in next week. I'm having a little PTSD from my house remodel like 10 years ago. Oh yeah, it's, ah! it's not fun to go through it. So anyway, that's it for this week's podcast. Uh, we just want to thank you guys for listening. Um, if you want to reach out to us, reach out to us on Twitter at Suicide Squadcast. You can reach me individually at Alan Fire. And you can always reach me at ScottDC27. And Brent, where can the people find you? I am on Twitter at Brentac Prime. Uh, and then of course you can always email our show at SuicideSquadcast at gmail.com We love interacting with the fans and so please don't hesitate to reach out to us and we like to res- we always respond to tweets and we eventually get to emails that's basically our, our our disclaimer yeah and it's mostly Scott responding to tweets right now just because I just don't have time right now but uh, definitely please don't hesitate to reach out to us uh, we have a webpage suicidesquadcast.com a Facebook page and a YouTube page uh, Suicide Squadcast Network so go check us out now that's it for this week guys so once again thank you for listening and Tim what do we always tell the people to do we just tell our listeners and our fans just please go out and keep reading some dc bye guys see you see you later Okay, Casey, again, you, you're either just a jerk, you spilled the beans, or you just don't know what you're talking about. And because of you, I could not have one week of peace. So here's something you can take to the bank.
do you know Esvido? Esvido, do you know how to pronounce his name? I thought that was hell. Okay. What, Esvido? Yeah, I mean, it looks good to me. So, Brent was... What? My cat stopped recording. I just restarted when? it. When? This... <laughs> Ow! No biting. Let me just make a note. <laughs> <laughs> Please. No, seriously. This cat, like, is coming up here just, you know, wanting to be pet. And all of a sudden, she walked to my computer. And I look, I heard a beep. And I look up. And, of course, it stopped recording. And so I just restarted it. But so now I'm, like, trying to push her away. And she just bit me. So. Meow. Yeah. You don't bite. <laughs> <laughs> all I can hear is this cat with Julie Newmar's voice. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought he was really upset. We didn't know how to say this guy's name. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you guys are even talking about because what happened when I started recording again, I was hearing what we had already recorded because it went back to zero. Yeah, you got to move the playhead when you do that. Yeah, I understand that, but I didn't have a choice. Like, <laughs> like I wasn't going to, you know, anyway, because I wanted to make sure I got recording and it, it, I just got what I got. I'm like, so I'm hearing you talk twice. I'm hearing Scott talk twice. Then I hear my voice coming back, which nauseates me. So, so yeah, me anyway. too. <laughs> So anyway, I know it shocks you. I don't mind listening to myself talk. So yeah, well, and then the other thing that kind of annoys me about this whole deal is now it's like I gotta, it's more, f- I gotta try to get it lined up. Well, because it was when the two of us were talking, it won't be too bad for you. I know it's just annoying. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Damn where, cats. Where, where were we? We're, we're trying to pronounce the name of the actor who got cast as Richard Dragon. Oh, okay. Um, Asve- where is he? Asvedo? Asvedo? Oh, Acevedo. Acevedo. Thank you. Yeah, it's Acevedo. Okay.